All right, it's Taco Tuesday. So my question for you is, A, how often do you have tacos on Tuesdays? And B, what are your favorite ingredients on a taco? Oh, I love a good fish taco. Oh my goodness, yes. really? That would be like at the bottom of my list. That's the top of my list. Really? Sure. Oh. But uh, how often do I have tacos on Tuesday? Probably, probably almost never. Because you usually have RCIA. Yeah. RCIA people, you need tacos. It's Tuesday. Well, it's tonight, in the name. We're, we record this on Tuesday. Yes. Tonight is our final RCIA of this season. Are you having tacos? No. Well, uh, what's the, what's <laughs> but the it point? is the final RCIA. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 podcast. Michael here with Father Herb. And Father Herb is anticipating the final RCIA session tonight. What are and you doing? How, so how does one wrap up? Well, that's, that's really what's hard because we've met every Tuesday since September. People come into it thinking, wow, this is going to be forever. What a great commitment. Can I do it? Yeah. And then by the time they get to January, boy, this is what we do on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure. And yeah, you, you get, get into a rhythm. And then you get to Easter like... Oh, it's going to end so soon. We're going to miss coming on Tuesday because what else do we do on Tuesday? There's nothing on TV. So uh, we, we have no lives. Let's yeah. just keep coming. Well, what, what but, has, the, but the truth is what we try to do is we try to say, where do you go from here? Sure. What has been the uh, consensus amongst the, newly, the new Catholics uh, about receiving the sacraments at the Easter Vigil? How, what was that experience like? You know them? what? It's always, always beyond words. We spent a lot of time last week trying to talk about the Easter experience. Uh, and one woman talked about, she was she was caught off guard how powerful Holy Thursday was, hmm. even though she was not yet able to receive communion. Yeah, it's, it's Sometimes it's like a breakthrough. The Holy Spirit's there and just like, it all makes sense. Sure. I think many people discovered the Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter. You see the whole picture, yeah. and that helps a whole lot. Of course, Easter Vigil itself is beyond words. Um, in, there's so many layers, uh, singing the Alleluia, the, the exalted. This year we did not light the fire outside or have individual candles for a lot of reasons, uh, but it, that didn't really take it away from, take away from it. Uh, yeah, it was still a grand celebration. Yes. So it's it's at so many levels. And, of course, being confirmed is major, but receiving the Eucharist is even more major. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, our prayers and our love are with all of those that have come through RCIA this year. And, you know, perhaps you're listening to this podcast going, I'm, I want to know more about the Catholic Church. The good news is RCIA always starts in the fall. So yep. there could be an opportunity for... For you as well. Uh, speaking of things starting up, we also started wedding season. Last yes, week. we are in the of, in the official. Is it official? I don't know. It's unofficial. But in the Catholic Church, there are not very many weddings during Lent. It's allowed, but really kind of discouraged. Sure. So we usually go for a couple of months without any weddings. We had a wedding last Saturday. We have a wedding this coming Saturday. Yeah. We have only one in May. And we have a zillion in June. That's an actual number, friends. Not yeah, just it's hard to count that high. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, was joking with one of my piano students this week because in uh, one of the books that we use, there is back to back wedding processional, the Wagner, and wedding recessional, re- recessional, the Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn. Oh no! And, and I, neither one of those is used in church. Right. I was joking with him. I said. Uh, 
back to back. You're going to be ready for weddings. You can take my spot anytime, except the truth is I've never played either one of these at a real wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so the, this the da 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 That's the Wagner and the Mendelssohn. Both great pieces of music. We just don't use them. Yeah. The, uh, the wonderful thing I find is the couples themselves who maybe it's just this parish. Maybe it's because people are discovering what a church wedding is all about. But the, the couples seem to be so with it. They seem to understand why we do what we do yeah. in having a church wedding. It, they've been wonderful. Yeah. And here's a little trivia for you, because I know you love to ask me questions. I do. Which month of the year nationwide has the most weddings. What's the most marrying month of the year? I'm going to go out on the limb here and pick the month that I got married, uh, October. You would be close, but no cigar. No. No. Is it September? Do I get a second guess? Nationally speaking, September for year after year after year is the, the number one month for weddings. And then it bleeds into either August or October. Yeah. Here, I think I always have a lot more weddings in October than in September. Maybe, maybe that's because, why I was Maybe because that. in September, people can't get venues for reception halls. I don't know. But uh, nationally speaking, September is the number one wedding month. I think people like that, too, because the weather's a little bit uh, more forgiving in terms of temperature and things like that. Yeah. Although June tends to be a popular month at this church. We usually have a lot of June weddings. Is that true? Over the years, yes, okay. yeah. But I mean, we're not national. We're not on the national average. That's just oh, the, people take their cue from us. John the twenty third average. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we're coming upon one of our favorite weekends of the year. Yes. as if other weekends are not favorites. <laughs> you, can, it's like children. You can never have too many favorites. I yeah. This is my new favorite. Actually, it's not my new. It's my longtime favorite Sunday of the year. Sure. It is the fourth Sunday of Easter, also known as... Good Shepherd Sunday. Good Shepherd Sunday. Every year, Mm -hmm. every year, we read from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Now, there's a three-year cycle. Yes. So we don't read the same passage. We read chapter 10, verses 1 to 10 in year A, which would have been last year. Yes. We read chapter 10, verses 11 to 18, which is this year. So that's coming this Sunday. And then we read chapter 10, verses 27 to 30 in year C, which is next year. Now, if you've been counting, you figure out there's a few verses that are that we don't read from. So the chapter 10 of John's Gospel starts off where Jesus basically says, I am the sheep gate I am the gate through which people enter the the pen. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on and says, I am the shepherd, the good shepherd, which is what we're going to read today. And then there's a section where he talks about a few other things. And then it comes back to uh, Jesus boldly pulling it all together in a final four verses where he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Uh, That's going to be next year. So stay tuned, friends. Yes. Only 360 some days. All all three, actually, it's going to be longer than that be, oh, yeah, because Easter Easter's later yeah, next that's year. Right. That's right. But uh, all three of them are different passages, but they're all three from chapter 10 of John's Gospel, which is a Good Shepherd chapter. Now, I asked the question of my Bible study, why do you think 
So I'm going to ask you, because you are such a wise person, Michael. Wow. Actually, you're the one I get to put on the spot. Also the only other person in the room. uh, Why do you think Good Shepherd Sunday is always chosen for the Easter season? Uh, Why is it so important when we talk about Jesus having risen from the dead, which was the readings of the last three weeks, Yeah. but now we don't talk about that specifically. Why do we... Uh, branch out and talk about Jesus as the good shepherd, but we always do it during Easter season. And this is your one big moment. This of is fame. it. Th- Possible fame. This is your moment. Uh, let's see. Probably because of the message of discipleship, the message of hope uh, that you better explain what you mean by that. Uh, <laughs> am I just throwing out words? Those are nice words. <laughs> Those are, aren't they? Um, that, you know, being a follower of Jesus is more than just a simple acknowledgement of the Paschal mystery. It is also action-oriented. So when we say that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, it, it's a literal following of him, but also knowing that he, in return, takes care of us. So I think it's, it's part of the Easter message that, yes, something significant has happened that changes our, our lives— but also that he will continually take care of us. It's not just a one-time event. It's a which okay, which is actually pretty much on target because it basically is saying, examine what we mean by a shepherd, yeah, and examine what we mean by a good shepherd, mm-hmm. because there is a, a a series of readings, especially in the prophet Ezekiel of the Old Testament, where Ezekiel tears apart the leaders of the people and said, "You're not good shepherds." you are just watching out for yourselves. You're not taking care of your people. Yeah. And so when Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd, it's in direct contrast to what Ezekiel had been saying about the people. So he's, he's setting himself up as a model. Now it's interesting at Easter, we also think of Jesus as the lamb, the lamb of God, the sure. lamb that was slain, uh, the lamb that has risen. We sing it so, every time at Mass. So Jesus is both the lamb and the shepherd. Talk about different metaphors sure. put together in the same line. There is a great uh, meme floating around the internet this week. I've seen it on multiple platforms. Uh, and I don't know if it's coincidentally prior to Good Shepherd Sunday or not, but um, it's a video of, let's say, a shepherd, a, a boy, pulling a little lamb out of a crevice. I mean, it is stuck in this crevice in the earth and literally it's back leg is sticking out. So this little guy pulls this sheep out and the caption says me when G Je- when uh, Jesus leaves the 99 to find the one. And so he pulls, <laughs> he pulls this lamb out of the crevice in the earth and the lamb comes out, starts running away from him, hops in the air and instead of landing on the other side of the crevice, falls directly into it again. Back into it again. <laughs> and that is the end of the that, video. That's a pretty extensive meme. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And I thought, how true is this? How, how often does Jesus come to our aid and pulls us out? And then we run away in rebellion. And then we just end up falling right back into the crevice. Well, there's again. one more powerful image. This is not on a meme from a meme. This is from the scripture. Which is better. Where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Yeah. So that is definitely a continuation of the Paschal story, too. Sure. So let's read this gospel, and uh, 
I'll let you read the first half. I'll read the second half. That way you can talk about the difference between the hired man and the shepherd. But okay. I'll, I'll come in where it says, uh, I am the good shepherd and I know mine. Okay. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man, who is not a shepherd, and whose sheep are not his own, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine, and mine know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take, up, take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down power to take it up again this commandment this command i have received from my father okay how many times between what you read and what i read is the phrase lay down your life used how many times is lay i'm i'm actually just doing a search on the page that's how lazy i am the word lay is on here Four times. Four times. The passage is used four Actually, times. Actually, I counted five. Oh, then. Uh, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life. You oh, said, you it, oh, it did miss that first one. Yes, it did miss that. And I will lay down my life for the sheep. And then it says, uh, I lay down my life to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own. I have the power to lay it down. It's five times. Correct. Okay. The internet failed you, me again. You get, you get the message. Now, that meme that you're describing of pulling the, the sheep out of the crevice is pretty cool. That's actually from the, the other parable. That's the one where... When I le uh, leave the 99 to find the one. leave the 99 and uh, go find the one that's lost. Right. However, they're all connected. They're, they're all sheepy. <laughs> oh, we were waiting for something to happen today. <laughs> <laughs> we knew. We knew. It's always, always a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it it's but the the image here is the good shepherd is not the hired man now the old translation which i loved the old translation did not refer to the the hired man or the hi, the hired hand it was the hireling the hireling hireling is the term that was used in the old translation a hireling who is not a shepherd and i remember my mother used to get such a kick out of that she would talk about uh you know don't be a hireling I mean, that was one of, she, I think she, she was a poet at heart and she loved uh, words. That's how you could walk into the office in the morning when the staff is gathering at the beginning of the day. Good morning, hirelings. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> it's are better you, than underlings. <laughs> but, you know, a, a hired man gets paid. So that's, they're not working for, you know, they're just working for pay. That's The image that popped up into my head as I was reading that was when you hire somebody else to watch your own kids nobody ever is going to be as fully invested in making sure your children are safe as you are as a parent but oh i will tell you though i've known some caregivers who are like grandmothers who probably are almost m more invested sure that means you're you're actually just point blank arguing with my 
my hypothesis. I here. mean, you're you're <laughs> you're a parent, and I'm not. Sure, but I'm a good observer. I okay, so I wasn't thinking necessarily of a like professional caregiver. I'm thinking of like the 14 year old that comes to watch your kids on a Friday. Oh, night. oh, sure, yeah. That was where I was going. Yeah, they're they're on the they're on their phone and uh, popping popcorn and watching a movie. And Nothing against 14 year olds. Since You're going to have one before you know since it. There's so many of them probably listening to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, but you know that we, we just lost that demographic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get them back with confirmation. Um, but you know the fact that you know you are always watching out for your own your own children. Um, in a way, you know, you're always conscious, maybe necessarily, of what they are doing or or where they are, hopefully. So I can only, you know, build that out exponentially as the father cares. Well, for how many us. times though people just take a job as a job, and they they take it not because there's in, intrinsic loyalty, but maybe they get paid. Sure. I remember being totally shocked. I was a college student, I had a summer job. And the summer job was not at a very sophisticated place. These were not skilled workers. It was a, a manufacturing place. And on we got paid on Fridays. And we had, had to line up and get our paychecks. Mm-hmm. So we'd, we'd get the paycheck. And we had, a, we had a badge we had to wear so they would know who we were. And I would see these men, grown men, get their paycheck and literally run out of the building, run, physically run to the car, cheering and yelling and getting in their cars and driving away. And I remember thinking, that's what it's all about for them. Friday afternoon, the weekend was there. Maybe they were cheering because they had a couple days off. Yeah. Maybe they were cheering because they had some money in their pocket. Maybe they were cheering. It could have been some really good things like, oh good, I can feed my family. Or maybe not such good things like, oh, we're going down to the corner bar on the way home. Sure. But whatever it was, it just shocked me that they weren't that excited about the job. I was taking the job seriously. I was glad to get paid because it helped me go back to college. But, you know, sometimes we realize our heart is not with what we're doing so much as what we, we get paid to do. So the hireling or the hired person there. Uh, is not invested in the the welfare of the sheep themselves. Not necessarily doing anything bad. Maybe doing all the the basic stuff that a a shepherd should do. Yeah. But the good shepherd goes way way beyond that. that how does a shepherd find out what he or she should do? Is it in shepherding for dummies? They buy, <laughs> they buy a textbook. Yeah. Yeah. You start when you're very young. <laughs> you know, we don't have shepherds around here, but I've been in countries where there are shepherds, and they do start young. Sure. And they know their sheep. Sure. And of course, what did Pope Francis famously say uh, for about priests that you and should bishops? Smell like the sheep. Yeah, we're supposed to be shepherds, and you have to smell like your sheep. And you're not going to smell like the sheep unless you're with them. And of course, we don't have to take that literally, but figuratively, sure. we we need to be where people are. 100%. A good pastor can't be uh, aloof or apart from the people that they're shepherding. And it can't just be a photo op. You can't just say, uh, I'm going to uh, mix with the people and make sure you get a good picture and post it on social media. Sure. Um, The other word that comes to mind about that is we use it a lot in ministry. It's used in the corporate world a lot is mission, right? Being a part of the mission. You know, the the men that you were talking about at the, the factory maybe weren't necessarily 
in on the mission of what they were trying to accomplish more than just collecting a paycheck. Uh, but I think one of the things that helped this parish be successful from the beginning is that we were part of a mission to build church, to build community. Um, and that's part of the broader mission that Jesus commissioned all of us to do to make disciples of all people and to baptize them. That, that's actually very well said. Well, you sound and it surprised. Came from, it came from you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is very well said. We have to buy in the mission, in into the, the picture. We have to know that it belongs to all of us. Right. Uh, we have the connection point this Sunday, and that's one of the things we try to share with people who are cons- considering becoming members of this parish. It's not just sign up, get your envelopes, uh, pay, pray, and obey. It, it's more like be part of the the group, and we are all fellow shepherds to each other. Sure. Actually, we during Connection Point, we say that that we are now passing the baton on to, to you. You know, this is who we are as a parish. You just mix metaphors. We're not passing the baton. That's like a, a race. Well, that's what uh, I do uh, say that. We're, we're passing <laughs> the, the shepherd's crook. The... <laughs> It's longer. It might be easier to actually catch <laughs> for those of us that probably would not be good in a relay. Um, but that it's time for them to take ownership. Do you like that word better? Take ownership of who we are as a church and what we are doing because we need to constantly be feeding the next round of sheep coming through the door. And I came back to Shepherd. You're welcome. And be willing to lay down your life. Are people willing to lay down their life when they come to church? I, I'm not responding because I'm thinking. It's and the music's about to start, so you don't have to answer it. We can. Leave I, this. I I I hope that we're willing to lay down our life. Yes, uh, that's another topic altogether. It is. That's but a deep one. It was it was rude to bring that question up at the end. I well, all these people listening are going to have something to discuss. All right, friends. We hope that we see your cute little sheep in the church this weekend. That's it. And if not, that's too bad. (laughs) Uh, uh, We knew it was coming. All right. See you guys. Bye.